Listen up, Gotham. This is Batman. Tune into the Bat Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warmhands. And if you don't, I'll be coming for you. Hey, everybody, it's the Dark Knight of Rap, Sammy Warmhands, and this is the Bat Fanatic podcast. Now, just like the Batman Forever episode, everybody is safe at home, quarantine, shelter in place, you know the drill. So I've got Ben and Evan calling in on the phone, and we're talking about one of my favorite runs in recent years, Rise of the Batman. First, I got to shout out our sponsor, Radar Toys, right here in Eugene, Oregon. You can have all the cool shit delivered to your door while you are being a smart person and not leaving the house, right? You're doing that? Good. So go to RadarToys.com and save 10% with the code BATFANPOD. Get free shipping in the U.S. Now this is James Tynan IV, Rise of the Batman. Rise of the Batman from Rebirth in 2016, written by James Tynan IV, penciled by Eddie Barrows, Alvaro Martinez, Al Nuevo, inked by Abra Ferreira and Rual Fernandez, colored by Adriano Lucas and Brad Anderson, lettered by Marilyn Patrizio. There's some fucking names for you. There's a lot of names. What a great crew, though, man. I came across this after um, meeting James Tynan at Rose City Comic Con in September. I was just walking by his booth, and I could not place why, but I knew his fucking name. And I walked by, and then I stopped. And I went back, and I started talking to him, and... Um, Realized that he had done some of the backups in the Court of Owls, and I was like, oh, shit, man, that's like some of my favorite stuff. He was really nice and got a photo with him, and then I went home and started digging into his shit, and I had read so many great reviews about his run in Detective Comics on Rebirth that I asked for this for my birthday, and immediately after finishing it, just ordered more of these books. I've read four of them so far, but man, just really great storytelling. What'd you guys think? Having not, I'm not familiar with any of the New 52 or any of that stuff, so I don't, I don't know when any of this stuff falls or how recent this is or what the deal is really. Yeah. It's so New 52, it's like 2011 or somewhere around then, and it was another attempt to kind of wipe the slate clean, keep the stuff that worked, but make a new universe. So new readers could come in without feeling burdened by the past, but also just to freshen things up. Then they did it again in 2016. They did another tweak, so they kind of changed everything again, not undoing what was done in New 52. And New 52 didn't necessarily erase what was done before that either. A lot of that stuff still holds, but it just reworked it, tightened the time scale, shortened it down, so the characters aren't, you know, like Batman's not 50, he's probably in his early 30s. Yeah, it gives you a little um, more yeah. freedom to tell those stories too. A lot of the characters who exist in this story, spoiler, orphan, were slightly different versions of those characters before, but they changed their backstory, they changed their history. The orphan was Batwoman or Batgirl, and then spoiler was also a Batwoman or a Batgirl. But in this universe, they never were those things, but the characters are still kind of similar. Yeah, and in this case, Batwoman is much like Batman in that she's very unchanged. You know, her New 52 was very similar to her original. Greg Rucka wrote both of them, so it's still the same bones. Yeah, they kind of kept her, she and Batman are like elder statesmen, and then the others are, are younger and greener. Yeah. Yeah, I guess they're both Batgirls, because she's the only Batwoman. Yeah, exactly. I remember flipping through some stuff in the past where it must have been the orphan version of Batgirl, 
because she had a, sort of a similar suit. She has like, yeah, the, the mouth kind of sewn over. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there weren't any eyes or anything. Yeah, that's Cassandra. That's, I actually like that suit design. It's cool. I love that. I mean, I remember reading Cataclysm, I think is what it was, or somewhere around there. Yeah, I think that's when she was introduced, right? Yeah, I remember going to Barnes & Noble and Borders. That was the beginning of just going there and reading their books yeah. in the chairs. So I really, really like that. What was that? I miss Borders. Yeah, me too. I, I, whichever one I was nearer to is where I would go because I wasn't paying at either one. So <laughs> but that, I really, I like the Cassandra Cain bad girl because the whole gimmick of her character is that in exchange for not being able to talk, she's as good a fighter as Batman. Yeah. So I like that she's still, she's not as experienced, but she's still as dangerous and as skilled. And I think they carried that over into Orphan well. Yeah, and I don't remember if that was in this one or one of the later ones, but Batwoman asks Batman, like, have you ever thought about what would happen if you had to fight her? Actually fight her? And he just says, I would lose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when they did that 2016 revamp, was that given another name? That's a rebirth. Okay. Yeah, so this is this is rebirth. So, I mean, it's still sort of a continuation of the New 52 stuff, but... It didn't undo it, but it just tweaked some things again. It has to do with like the Flash and the big universe stuff. But the real reason is just to tweak the characters and change things that fans didn't like. Essentially, you're taking, you know, like Snyder and Capullo, for example, wrote almost all of that whole New 52 Batman arc, right? And then mm. Rebirth, and it's like, okay, we're going to let Tom King take over the main title, and we're going to let James Tynan take over the uh, detective title. And so, I mean, it's also just kind of putting new creative teams in charge of the stories more so than it is like retconning a bunch of shit. It's both. Because uh, one of the big, I think it's in the 90s, Green Lantern became evil and like killed everyone in his city. And fans hated it. It made them so angry that their one of their favorite heroes became like a horrible mass murderer. So one of the big retcons later than that was just to undo that. But I think you're right. Part of it is to give new creative teams to unburden them. And also just to boost sales because... Everyone wants to buy a number one. Yeah. 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 All right. So moving on, the general premise here, it opens with Batman notices that drones have been following him in Gotham. And he notices as he looks into it that they're following other heroes as well. And so he brings in Batwoman. They have not been working together, but he brings her in to try to mentor these younger heroes and get ready for whatever the fuck is coming. And, and, And when he does this reveals himself as Bruce, which is, in this continuity, the Canes being Martha's side of the family. Kate Kane is his cousin. And so revealing himself as Bruce is, is actually a very significant thing and, and establishes not just the trust of, now you know my secret, but, like, you know me, we're family. Yeah, you're, you're like an important enough character to get that information. Have you were saying? I like their familial connection, especially having red balls, whatever that comic was before, where they talked about the Canes and Arca. Earth One. Yeah, I like, now that I know that, it made it a little bit deeper to me, and obviously it makes their connection more significant, but I think that it adds a cool element. And also, that's how I know in this universe, Batman is a Jew. <laughs> this Batwoman's a Jew. Her mother is his aunt. <laughs> or no, no, her, her father is his uncle. Batman's a Jew, I guess. Is what You've I'm lost me, yeah. I'll just take your word for it. <laughs> Some kind of weird, yeah, yeah, the way it's passed down. All right, Polanski. <laughs> so, uh... I don't take any pride in that. It doesn't matter to me, but I just think it's worth pointing out. Okay. Yeah. Why that woman's skin so pale? It looks cool. She the, just pasty because it looks cool. Yes. That's why I'm so white. <laughs> <laughs> 
everyone's like, wow, that looks cool. Are you really into Tim Burton films or what? I'm like, um, yes, but they're not related. I'm the um, so it's pretty cool how early on you have Batman totally ambushed and defeated, captured, the colony takes him in. They're kind of left on their own. I'm not generally a huge, you know, Bat family dude, but I thought this was actually pretty cool. He took just the right measure to put her in place to take care of the guys. And as soon as he does that, he's fucking taken out. Kate brings in her dad, Colonel Kane, who's, you know, in earlier incarnations, he's sort of her Alfred, you know. She's got all this military background. He's very much in her ear and giving her tech and stuff like that. Strategy. Exactly. And so, obviously, he's the one that she calls on to look out for her. And, man, the fact that they all show up as soon as she invites him in. They got this new place called the Belfry that Tim Drake built and designed all the, all the technology as their new HQ. Colonel Kane shows up. They're talking about the plan of action. And then the colony fucking shows up. And right away, you're like, holy shit, this is the worst villain you could have had. <laughs> because Batman's out of the picture. And... Your new leader's mentor, you know, that's the great thing about Batman villains is they're always like you said in the last episode, you know, the Riddler is great because he matches Bruce's intellect, you know. You always get these people who are the opposite of him in some way. Yeah, some kind of mirror. Yeah, and man, I thought this was just a great setup for conflict in this story. I, you know, the first time I read it, I liked it, but on rereading it, it doesn't work super well for me. And it's not a fault of the writing, because I think it's written well, and it's not a fault of the art, because I think the art is awesome. I just, I don't really like the colony as a villain. Oh, really? Yeah, and I, I do like that family stuff, but something about this feels so put together. Like, a lot of it felt like just a way to kind of bolster and integrate Batwoman into the bigger picture more. Which I can appreciate, but having already read her stuff, it felt redundant. I mean, do you feel like it's not true to Colonel Kane or something? Or I don't know. I don't really like him as a character either. I get what she, the element he's supposed to add for her, the conflict and the struggle. And I kind of like that, but I just, I just sort of don't like his character. Maybe that's why I like him as a villain is because he plays an essential role in her life, but he's not the most likable character. And so it just sort of worked for me. I mean, I've only read a few of her books before this, but uh, I don't know. I thought he was kind of the perfect foil. I liked him more when he wasn't a villain. Because before, the tension was more just like, he wants her to be one thing and she doesn't want to do that. And that's here in this, but now it's like literal. It's like, I want you to head up my evil paramilitary organization. She's yeah. like, no, I don't want to. Okay, well, I'm a bad guy now. <laughs> yeah uh, uh, the whole idea of having batman be taken down by them on the one hand i do enjoy it because it's it adds an interesting element of conflict for him to like these people who now he has to change his game because they're at least when they're working together they, they are a serious challenge to him but uh, a lot of it in that same way that the whole story kind of felt like it's just to integrate batwoman into it more i felt like he was hobbled for that purpose as well to let the other characters stand out which and i just didn't land for me and i don't know i mean i like clayface in the team i think is cool but i also don't like it <laughs> yeah that that's i think the biggest leap you know the biggest creative choice that's like a shock but they also do it differently because like i mean i don't know basil carlo at all and so you know i think this is like the fourth version of clayface being a different person actually i don't know if you noticed when he goes to a, an audition later they call on matt hagan which was his name in the animated series but um when I first saw the cover and that he was on the team, I was like, I don't know about this, but I don't know. I like what they do with him. And it's, it's sort of like he's the, the Hulk to their Avengers, you know, like, yeah. 
like some of the stuff that they do with him. I like his all shield escape pod thing. And yeah, when he I sucks them all up. Well, yeah, I think that's cool. And I like the two mouse design is interesting, but I kind of feel like she is present between just him being there at all and his lines make it seem a little less serious, more like a cartoon adventure or something. You're in a comic relief. Yeah, I mean, I guess I just am such a fan of the animated series where I, I know him from most that it was, it was just a nice surprise for me because he's not a character that normally gets used. And I think in this story being such a big team-up event sort of thing that uh, he works in that context. And they don't, they don't change the character really, even though his backstory is a little different. I mean, still, he's just this man who's tormented and wants to be normal again. You know, he wants his old self back and so still plays as a real person to me. And the fact that each character has their own kind of dynamics, you know, he works well with Orphan because they're kind of both outsiders. Yeah, and so I, I would say the things that I dislike or complain about this, like another one is I, I'm not really a Tim Drake fan either. Really? There, well, there are so many Robins. Like, I already think it works pretty well with Dick Grayson being the first one and having their relationship, and him becoming Nightwing and coming into his own, and then Jason Todd becoming Robin, and having that just be a spectacular failure, and then jumping ahead to Damien, having him being his son, and having him be completely different in tone and temperament, being violent and aggressive, but also a better fighter than any of the other ones. I think that's interesting enough. And then Tim Drake was just like, more the detective side, the smarter side, but it just felt so packed already that him in there was too much. And so I'm not super into him in this story, but I will say, like him and like Batwoman and Clayface, in the later issues of this run, which we're not talking about, I think it pays off and they, it works well with it. But in this first story, it just doesn't work for me all that well. Well, I don't know. So, I mean, are you not a Tim Drake fan in general? In general, as I said, with where they went with this story later in later arcs, I do like it because they deal more with him, like him dealing with the struggle of maybe he's going to be Batman or what that means to him or what he wants. But in this story, that's so much of like telling you how smart he is and telling you how great he is, but he wants to go off to college and he wants to do this. It's just, I don't know. But yeah, I think I, think I probably am not a big Tim Drake fan in general. But I mean, we're like the same age, though. When we came up, he, he was our... Robin in the comics. The Batman animated series stuff I know the most is without Robin. Wait, not, I, the comics I read were, I don't know who's, who's Robin in like Cataclysm, who's Robin in early 2000s. Well, well, yeah, that's what I'm saying is that from uh, the Nightfall era is when his like solo issues started coming out. So that like that, that was the Robin that I was reading as a kid. I've never been a Robin guy anyway. So oh. I wasn't really reading Robin comics from then. The Batman stuff that connects with me more from that time period is just Batman stuff, Batman on its own. Gotcha. Yeah, I really have a um, void, I feel like, in wanting good Robin stories, partially because I'm such like a movie guy and we never get good Robin stories. But, I mean, if you look at the animated series like Robin's Reckoning, it's like one of the best episodes, you know, or some of those early uh, Tim Drake comics I, I really love, like the reveal when he first shows up he jumps on the hood of the joker's car and joker loses his shit because he's like you i 
killed you. That's his fucking line. I'm like, that is the best shit ever. And he fucking jabs his pole right through the glass on him. Like, I don't know. I, I grew up liking Tim, and so I, I was excited to get him in this again because he is a really smart character. And again, the way that they set him up towards the end of this book as always, we're doing spoilers here, just so you guys know, if you haven't read this shit. But I think what you said about setting him up he to go... Batwoman. Yeah, yeah. Setting him up to go <laughs> to... Uh, he's gender fluid, okay. It's okay. No, I'm yeah. just kidding. Um, but they... It's 2020, man. They set him up with the college storyline. They set him up with the Stephanie relationship. You know, he's got all this potential, all this future that we keep talking about only to make the ending that much more powerful, you know? But it's kind of, it's a psych out because as much as I don't like these kind of endings in that comic books when they kill people so often, you know, it's only temporary, but at least sometimes when they kill them, they let it sit in the story itself. But even in the very end of this, we're treated to the panels of him having been teleported away. So we know he's not dead, which, which robs that of some weight. I had the same reaction to this, as I did to the end of The Dark Knight Rises when he's carrying the bomb off into the sunset. No joke when... So they have this whole thing. If we're going to talk about the ending, let's just go into it. So Ulysses is the colony's tech person. Exactly. You know, his counterpoint. And he's like the bat super fan. There's the whole dick measuring of like, well, who's smarter, you know? And, and well, you could never get into my shit because mine's encrypted with fucking blah, 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 you know? And so... Yeah, too much like Star Trek. Yeah, yeah science talk, you know? So Tim hacks into the colony's drone army, realizes they cannot be disarmed. And so instead of them taking out all these people that he can't stop. He just changes the target to himself. And, and, and in terms of this style of story, like that is the heroic shit that I fucking love. And you see him actually survive this whole fleet bombing him and fighting them off. He's barely alive. And then a second fleet comes and kills him. Yeah, that shot of him like taking the brunt of their fire was that's a great page. I watched that or I read that and I cried. Just like at the end of the Dark Knight Rise, I'm like, are they're gonna fucking are they actually gonna Oh my god, they fucking did it. And I was teary eyed. Both uh, actually I've read this this book three times now. Each time I got teary eyed at that part. I thought it was so fucking great. And you know, his sacrifice meant something. He had a future on the line. You know, there were so many things working towards that being a great moment. You have this awesome epilogue with Stephanie and Bruce where she gives him the acceptance letter to college. She's and, like, oh, well, you know, that's what heroes, you know, heroes do that and that's part of the game and this is what he wanted. Yeah. She's like, no, here's a letter. It's not what he wanted. Yeah, and you see them actually, like, embrace and cry together. And I was like, oh, my God, this is fucking brutal. This is, I mean, it's amazing, though. It's great storytelling. And then you're totally right, because, like, the last fucking page or whatever, they do the Dark Knight Rises thing where it's like, oh, who fixed the autopilot on this thing? You're like, God damn it. Like, yeah. uh, why you got to do that? Like you Save said, for later. you got to do it. 
Make us wait for it. Let this moment mean something. Let it have some weight, because God damn, that was good right before that twist. On one hand, I felt like it was sort of a visual cop-out that they didn't really show Robin combating these drones. They don't really need to, because what's that going to look like? He's just going to donk a bunch of robot drones with his staff a bunch of time. <laughs> Can you imagine that being yeah, animated, though? Jiu-Jitsu with the drones. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. I take it back. That would be the... <laughs> I, w- I would love to see that uh, sequence in animation, though. That'd be awesome. Yeah, in animation, it would be one of those good kind of shots where, like, profiles, they're kind of head-to-head, and he meets, you know, the first one with his staff, and then that's where it cuts or something. You know what happened? And I felt like um, I could have used to see just a little bit of that anyways, but then it's contrasted by the fact that him getting shot up is just, this single panel and the thought of it is is brutal and then it's given more impact with this sentimental scene after the fact with Batman and the note and hugging is always sad is that why you always hug me? (laughs) (laughs) so sad to see you (laughs) and I agree that I know in that one episode, Tam, you talked about how when you're watching a show, you want to kind of keep the momentum going, and, and that's the benefit of the you know, Netflix era or something, is just wanting to get right to the next one. But oh, yeah. the weight of this was, there has to be some kind of balance between the two. That's It's cool to have a collected edition of these issues, but if you have something so impactful and then in just a handful of pages, it's like, oh, like. Like, man, how am I? I can't take this stuff seriously if everything is turned around so quickly. You know, better to end the book on a different note, let you simmer on that and be sad for a bit, and then reveal later on that he was actually still alive. Yeah. Yeah, and it makes me wonder if how much of it was like, oh, we don't want to piss off the Tim Drake fans. We don't want them to check out of this new book, so we need to let them know right away that he's alive. Yeah. And how much of it was just. Like, tune in to next time. Well, yeah, because, I mean, part of that, I guess you're going to go, well, if we do this, the backlash is going to be insane, right? And so when we execute the part of our story that we've already planned, it's going to look like a cop-out. It's going to look like we caved to the pressure and brought him back. It's like, no, that was always the plan, you know? Yeah, Yeah, I get that. We're reading stuff in a collected edition, too, and there would be a built-in time frame if we were reading the issues once a month because there's your built-in sitting on that for a little bit before the next one comes out to tell you that wasn't really the case. But we can breeze right through these things and and instantly not feel like that anymore. Well, Ev, you pointed out something about not showing Tim fight the drones... What I think is that that was a story technique because you learn that he's rerouted them and that the other people in the team, they can't reach him in time, right? And so you assume that he's making this sacrifice, right? Then they cut back to where the other guys are fighting at the Belfry or whatever. Sorry, it's been like two months since I've read this. Maybe they're fighting at the colony. I don't remember where they're fighting. They're just fighting 
different places around the city, I think. Yeah, Robin's the only one at the Belfry. Everybody else is that's, in what could be these, like, targeted That's event. right. Okay, yeah. so, so they're out there trying to swoop targets. It, it cuts back to the action with the assumption that they cannot make it to him in time, and this is going to be fatal, right? So when they do finally cut back to him and he's still alive, that is just building on the suspense of it because... Yeah, give you a little bit of hope. Exactly, because you're like, holy shit, he like pulled it off. Because if you just showed him fight off all the shit, then you're like, oh shit, maybe he has a chance, you know? But I like the idea of like, show him still standing barely at the end of it, like, oh, wait, what the fuck? I thought he was going to, oh, there it is. Yeah, I had the same thought that you did, Evan, about like, are we going to see it or we're not going to see it? That's a cop-out. But I was okay with it for kind of the same reasons. And then hearing Sam, your explanation, yeah, I think it works well. Yeah, I I really just think this whole thing, I don't know what's done in terms of like storyboard and then script it or something, but everything in it just seems so intentional, so airtight. Everything done for a reason serving a purpose in the story. It was a very satisfying ending. It, it again, was like the Jeff Johns Earth One sort of thing where everything was set up and delivered the way it needed to. I appreciated the fact that that scene of his possible death is so graphic Yeah. because it just, it contrasts other stuff so much. Like, I know that we were dealing with a group of military men so that has the potential to be more violent than against our superheroes because our superheroes mostly just beat people up and don't kill them. But you have those surveillance shots when they're in the cave and he's talking about their previous missions and, and assassinating targets and, and those Splicing throats shots. And... Of, yeah, exactly. The shots of those guys killing people, that's pretty graphic. And then him, Robin getting shot up is is very... Akira-esque in him getting shot like 50 times more than he needs to get shot. And That's a good comparison. Yeah. Yeah. There's just a, there's a ton of bullets. One of those drones could have done it, but for some reason there's just a buttload of them. Well, and you, so you mentioned... You no question that he's dead. Well, yeah. And yeah, you, they really lit him up. You mentioned the, uh, the fact that it is sort of more violent being military context. I mean, and this is not the mature readers title, you know, it's not a a black label series that didn't exist yet. It's just regular continuity. I mean, you have Ulysses using the footage of other missions showing Batman what they've done by studying him and where they've taken it. And he shows him this video and he's like, yeah, a few dozen fatalities, but not one of the more grisly missions. You know, it's like, holy fuck, you know, these guys are really, really brutal. You know, for as much as it's a fantastic team up story, it has real stakes. Yeah. I like the thought of a, then talking about how these villains are largely the opposite of Batman in one aspect. The Riddler is incredibly clever. Bane is smart and strong. I think it's cool that they're themselves and they're just opposite Batman with these certain characteristics. But then you have, in this case, a squad of villains that are actually potentially the exact same as the hero, just with the opposite intentions. They're just acknowledging that everything about this person is super awesome 
and let's just model everything after him, but better. Just take that blueprint and improve on it. In that way, we're just straight up rivals of this guy, but we have numbers on our side and then potentially another advantage in the fact that we're all military trained as well. That they are a group is the mirror to Batman because the whole idea is that Batman is usually one guy fighting this crusade and then Jacob Kane is like, well, he's really good at it, but it just doesn't make any sense. It's not useful. So the fact that it is a giant army and a crew, that is the mirror to Batman is that instead of one guy in a crusade, it's a bunch of guys. So that's both the mirror and then that's also the push to get Batman to get his squad and his team for the sake of this story. He can't do it alone. And then that's not like just Wolverine fighting a clone of himself. You're getting the, yeah. the thematic comparison, but it's not just like a literal one-on-one -on -one of the same, you know. Yeah, mirror mesh fighting game. Exactly. I want to talk a little bit about the artwork in this because, I mean, it's interesting because it changes a lot. I've noticed that the art team switches issue to issue. They usually will do a couple and then switch and then do a couple and switch. And I don't know if that's just to keep up with production, uh, you know, keeping on schedule. But, you know, in the earlier issues, the Adriana Lucas stuff is really vibrant colors. You know, the really bright stuff is sort of like All-Star, what we read with Alex Sinclair versus like, or like Alex Sinclair in Hush or something that's a little more gray and green and blue. And sometimes it's like, Wait, what the fuck just happened? Because you finish a chapter and you open the next one, and you're like, "Whoa, this is a little bit different." But I think yeah, for, did I miss an issue? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for the most part, they work really well together. And the most effective part of switching off—I don't know if you noticed when they did the cemetery flashback when Kate's mom died and she was there with her uh, dad in the cemetery—and it's really like overexposed whitewash kind of like soap opera memory sort of look to it. It looked more like the initial run on her series. Yes, actually, you're right. I thought that that was the coolest use of switching art teams because when they credit the artists in that issue, it's like, except pages, you know, six and seven or whatever. And I was like, how the fucking... And as I read it, I was like, oh, that's fucking clever. Like, really well done to go, oh, well, this is in a character's head. You guys draw it. I don't really appreciate the change-ups other than that exception. I don't know why they would randomly bust out some stuff that looked like watercolors to me, and I couldn't make any sense of it except in that scenario. It, if it was supposed to be washed out and dreamy, then that makes sense to me. But I remember a couple panels... You know, one with Clayface, where I just couldn't figure out why it looks different than normal. Yeah, I think one of the few things that I would put in my cons is that it switches a little too frequently. But I thought the design, like, if we, we want to talk about Batsuit is usually a category of, that we talk about. I just thought the Eddie Barrows pencils kick off the series. The design of everything looks fucking awesome. I like his cape. It's kind of like a but how Shredder looks in the live-action Ninja Turtles movies. Oh, yeah, that's true. I don't really know how I would describe it. It's sort of like it has pleats, but also like it has, uh, I don't know, like uh, more like a leaf or like it has pockets or something. You just 
there's a visual resemblance that I don't think makes any sense in any kind of material that I can think of. But if you uh, if you looked at a picture, that's how I imagine those little circle curves to be on Batman's cape. Yeah, just a textural thing. No bullshit. I don't see it at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do kind of see what you're talking about. It, it looks draped a little bit, like it's not completely form fitting. If you had like a curtain backdrop in the theater or something, and it's kind of like doubling over on itself. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I really like the two colored cape too, because that was like the Tim Drake of the '90s. He had the, you know, Robin always had a yellow cape. He had the yellow underside with the black over it. Uh, in fact, one of the things I liked about Batman Forever was that that Robin suit was sort of a Tim Drake Robin suit, you know. Um, oh, damn, bro. Yeah. I, I thought it was cool to see that, and I think the purple works, and like the little um, kind of gold outline of the bat symbol. It's like a Frank Miller bat symbol that's really big, spread across the chest, but it's got that little embellishment. I just like those little details they put into it. The utility belt's kind of cool. It's more of a V. Yeah. All the characters looked really tight. I mean, spoiler? That's a cool outfit. I think the old spoiler, she had a full face mask. Yeah. And maybe they were kind of getting away from that, so she didn't look exactly the same as Orphan. Yeah. I like the Orphan outfit because it is reminiscent of her Batgirl costume. Yeah, but it's more of like a fighter suit, you know? Yeah, more ninja. Yeah, I like it a lot. In fact, in the later issues, she's, like, the best part. <laughs> if, yeah. I don't know if we're going to go revisit these uh, later ones on another episode, but boy, is she a big part of it. That scene with her later on in the cave where she takes on the, whatever that group of guys is. Um, that's quantity. The timing, sorry, quantity, whatever the quantity of men that she sure. took was. That's, like, the the version of that Robin scene that I'm okay with where I didn't need to see her fighting all those dudes because what yeah, your imagination does a better job. Yeah. And when everybody else shows up, then there she is standing amidst all these dudes. I think that that's a cooler reveal of the fact that she did all that stuff herself. It's sort of like a, a more subtle version of, cause you have that in like suicide squad, Harley, leaves the pack and is going up the elevator. She starts getting attacked and they see it. So they run up there where the elevator's going to open and she opens the door and they're all beaten up or dead or whatever. Yeah. But we watched it happen. So we already knew that versus the surprise of like, you're with the other characters and you've run up there. Oh my God, we're going to save you. And there's this anticipation and you're like, oh shit, you're good. <laughs> It's a different reveal. Also, like, the touch of realism, too, that she, when they show up, she's not unscathed. She also looks like she's been punched up a bit. Yeah. Yeah, she worked for it. Yeah, that's way cooler to me. Even the best person will struggle with a group. So sometimes when you create this character that's so good, then it just kind of becomes unrealistic. There's no sticks. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So she is an incredible fighter, but there's also a degree of perseverance and just tough and true it. I don't really care for a, a human character that could do all this stuff and somehow not get beat up in the process. Yeah. That one costume is great. 
it's the same as it has been, but it's a very cool costume. Yeah, that's a pretty... I like that her hair is attached to her mask, and that's also part of the suit. Yeah. Yeah, because if you look at, like, other versions of Batgirl, we talked about before, like, you'll see Batgirl standing next to Commissioner Gordon and her fucking, you know, half her face is out and half of her fucking hair is out, and you're like, how do you not put this together, you know? And so I like the idea of it being a misdirect that she's got a fucking buzz cut or a crew cut. And yeah, and her, her actual hair color is not that brilliant red. It's a little more of a natural red color. Yeah, I think that's smart. Aside from the fact that her skin being the pigment of a cave troll's... <laughs> Don't call me a cave a troll. Good... <laughs> Excuse me, a cave hobgoblin. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I, I apologize. That, that's a pretty good giveaway, though. Yeah, and I think that's, as you've talked about before, that's one of those things where that's more an impression. She probably doesn't have the skin color of paper, but it's just, <laughs> she's she is pale, and so that's a, a, a comic thing to hammer that home. Look, some of yeah. us just look like a <laughs> frosted glass of milk. <laughs> I can see your veins and all your tendons moving under your skin. You can't see me at all. Like, We're on the phone. Like not one piece of tracing paper, but maybe like tracing <laughs> paper stacked on top of each other. You're translucent. Yeah, I glow in the dark. Yeah, when you look down at your arms and they're like bicycle reflectors. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I stay inside on a normal day because uh, the sunlight is too bright. It's reflective. <laughs> Word. So are we just reviewing my body now? <laughs> yes. Okay. One out of five. Let's go. <laughs> One out of five. Okay. Bros. <laughs> oh, shit. Let's change the scale again. I'm ready to go higher. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I want to break it down, though, like individual components. I want to have, like, an overall, but then also... Like, Bye. Oh, we lost Ben. Oh. I have a question. At one point, one of the characters references... Zero year, and I don't know what that is. Oh, that was in. Uh, is an awesome origin story from the, the Snyder Capullo run. Oh yeah, actually, we talked about it for a split second on uh, the White Knight episode because uh, I mentioned that the GTO was sort of like when Gordon took over as Batman in Super Heavy, and um, that was in the New Fifty Two where. You have this big storyline with the Joker, and then it sort of takes you back to the beginning, and they call it Zero Year, and they do this whole thing with uh, the Riddler in sort of a no-man's land. It's kind of like now in real life. (laughs) Yeah. It's hard because I guess they never did this before, but it would be like if reading a Batman comic from 2005 and somebody going, ever since what happened in year one, yeah. Which they never did because it doesn't work. But in this universe, they call that actual time period year zero. So it's that. They're just talking about that other Batman story from the very beginning that everyone likes. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be pretty uh, meta of them to talk about another book like they knew that it was a book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that, that one. Run, that run on Batman was great. That was one of the only good Riddler stories, man. <laughs> All right. So, Detective. Yeah, he deduces that the drones are following people so somebody has a big plan and that more of them are following Batwoman so it's probably connected to her 
I mean, you see him choose her in the beginning, but you don't find out till later that he chose her specifically because she would have the insight as to what he would do when it was revealed. She would be the best equipped to deal with him because can you imagine if he hadn't done that and then she was somehow allied with him? That would be unstoppable. Yeah, because he recognizes that she is... She's the linchpin. Yeah, and she's, an, she's extremely capable. So he wants her on his side and he wants her also training these other people who are not as experienced as her, who don't have the background she does. Yeah, and that, I mean, again, that's what I love about the writing is that it's like there's layers. Each thing has a reason, but more than just what's on the surface, you know? I appreciate that they sweep that under the rug as if it was just some thing that Batman deduced to show that he was smart, but actually explained his reasoning in withholding that information. Yeah. Yeah, because he's playing the long game. Ninja? Uh, He's pretty ninja. I mean, a lot of this is him getting beat to let the other characters have their day. They do show him as a pretty expert fighter. I mean, again, the only time he fails is when he was outnumbered by 50 people or something. And he probably still takes a lot of them out. He also has that sweet scene where he's he's, uh, being held by his arms and like he knocks out a fake tooth to let gas out and he managed to manages to free himself from the bonds yes. and take the guys out. That's the most Batman shit ever. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I take it back. He is very high on the ninja scale. Yeah, I fucking love that scene. Trauma? I think I said, other than the backstory, talking about the funeral, there's not a lot of it, and I felt that was more just to establish the connection between him and Batwoman than it was to show you his traumatized past. Although I guess that's part of the story is his ability to, to connect with others and to trust them and to depend on them. Yeah, I think this is kind of a growing point for him. I, it's not really rooted in his problems for once. Yeah. Like you said, the only thing that references his trauma is that funeral scene from when they're little kids and Kate's the only one who will come to sit next to him when he's showing his emotions or not showing his emotions. It seems like we're at the conclusion of a pretty mature thought process where he's realized that he can't do all this stuff to himself and he seems very okay with it. Yeah. Yeah, he's good with reaching out to others. He doesn't doesn't seem to be miffed about it or anything. I very much like the Batman in this one. I mean, we talk about the White Knight on the last one and Ben was like, I don't want to be this Batman, but I would, you know, I want to read it. And I feel like this is very much the guy we know and love. Yeah, this is the Batman who we want to be. Exactly. Like, that he's not so damaged and so, like, off the chain, uh, unhinged. Yeah. All right. Yeah, uh, I'm much better, like a calm, methodical, really good at fighting Batman. See, you, yeah. s- you say that, and I just instantly hear that old Eminem lyric where he says, give a volume to Bruce Wayne because I'm ready for combat man. And he goes, get it? Nice. Combat man? <laughs> oh, combat man. Yeah, oh. yeah. Oh. Uh, what do we got for pros? I like the incorporation of all these other characters that were kind of neutered or retconned with the, the last couple universe reboots. 
Um, I like the, that this is building to something. They, they treat these characters well, and they give each one a little spotlight to show why they're valuable and what they can do and why their story is interesting. Yeah, I think it's it makes you care about people that you knew very little about in some of these cases. Yeah. They, they really... Um, they use everyone well. They serve the characters well. You know, nothing's by accident or just to show you a fucking reference of like, oh, look how deep we can go. All of my pros really revolve around the artwork. Yeah. I think, uh, I'll kind of go through my list a little bit. I think it was issue number two, the cover has Batwoman being swallowed up by Play faces face, and that's yeah. crazy awesome. Like sometimes you'll have uh, artists, or they can they can be some kind of variation in the quality of their stuff sometimes, and maybe it's for a reason they need to skip on something because uh, because it's the panel is too small and they can't give it the same amount of detail or something. Maybe it's a matter of scale, but. That image in particular is a really good version of this dude's own stuff, and it's really awesome to me. I love the Batman smoke bomb tooth. is <laughs> very Batman, but also super ridiculous to me. But I do love the scene before that with the soldiers cataloging the contents of his utility belt. is super awesome to me. Yeah. I can easily see that being a scene in the movie where soldiers are battling off this info. It's really funny to me. I'm sure a lot of fans have debated and you know, wondered about for a long time. It's sort of like the Dark Knight scene, too, where they're laying out all the knives and shit that they got <laughs> from Joker's pockets, you know? Uh-huh. But this is something that definitely people have wondered about for a long time. Like, okay, what's he actually got up in there? He's got a pocket full of quarters in case he runs into Two-Face? <laughs> Some of the other stuff that I thought was interesting, and I maybe you guys noticed, and I don't know what the reasoning is for it, but I, I really like the divisions between the chapters were just the covers of the issues, and that's standard. But rather than doing the kind of blown up glimpse of a page or a panel like in White Knight, they instead we got the pencil versions. Oh, of yeah. The, covers. the finished product is awesome, but I love seeing where stuff comes from. And the development. Yeah, I, I love the collaboration when it comes to comics, but I also appreciate being able to see everybody's contribution. By the time you get to the end of it, you have the inks and the colors, and hopefully those all put the puzzle together. But I also love seeing people's pencils, especially because that's what I work in a lot of times too, I guess. I appreciate the roughness of it or that the foundational element of it and I really just love seeing sketches and the groundwork and stuff but in a couple of them there there were variations between the pencils and the actual covers I think it's the first one has everybody standing together Orphan is wearing a mask in one of them and then in the other one isn't wearing a mask and it made me wonder 
why they changed it. And then later on, you have the group kind of standing together again, kind of the counter of that one, but Robin's been possibly killed and Robin's on the ground. And not only does it remind me of like the death of Superman cover, Mm. but in one version, Robin is there laying on the ground. And then in the pencil version, he's laying on the ground and he's also standing with the characters. And I, don't understand it, and I don't know the reason for it. Huh, I'll have to look at that again. Maybe it was, they were yeah. trying to decide, like, what they wanted to give away in the cover, so they left both options open. Yeah, it could be. I don't know. And I think that in the one where he's just on the ground, there's, like, a colony soldier in the back, and then in the other one, he's on the ground and in the background. Weird. But yeah, those fucking Eddie Barrows pencils are awesome, man. Like, I... Yeah, I really like that stuff. Did you guys notice how that one, the one cover where Batman's kind of back against the wall, there's the Batman American flag behind him, but it looks like the Days of the Future Past cover? Oh, weird. Oh, with Wolverine against the wall? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, the spotlight shining on him, I see that. That's yeah, rad. Cool. Also, I appreciate some of the stuff that the guy did is Channels were interesting, or the one flashback where it's it's got a pint glass, and all the panels exist within the pint glass. That's really yeah, interesting. They did a lot of Batman cutouts, which I like. Look at like the bat symbol in the middle of the page. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's inside a single panel and stuff happening around it. Most of my stuff was story. I I did love the artwork. I talked about the uh, the thoughtfulness of the story and the way everything's put together. I love the utility belt scene. I love some of the clever action. Because, again, I mean, we talked about how great it is to do action in animation. And there's so much left to the imagination on the page. But when they do little bits like the tooth or like, spoiler, detonating the grenades that are on the colony's belts, you know, because she was around Tim when he was designing so much of this shit that she's really tech savvy too and and so just little moves like that i thought were really fun to watch most of my stuff we've already talked about though what do we got for cons i don't have a ton i just i don't appreciate the unexplainable mixed medium when it comes to the artwork i like it when it's intentional but i don't know why it's there otherwise yeah and Sometimes, in particular, he'll do these, what could be a, two separate pages made into one, and I have a hard time following where it wants me to read, because I don't really get how the panels are broken up. That was my uh, biggest con, too, is that a lot of these are spread across two pages, but not cut in a way that shows that clearly. They're on like a yeah. weird diagonal. Yeah, it, it might be clearer on a digital format, but like when you're reading a physical book, especially the graphic novel, enough of that is buried in the seam that there were numerous times where I'm like fucking, God damn it, I'm reading the wrong page again. Yeah. And then when I start to assume that everything is going to go cross to the next page, it doesn't. So that wasn't my favorite <laughs> thing layout-wise, for sure. Yeah. That's all I got. Okay, yeah, and, and just the way that 
also the art would occasionally switch up within the same page would be a little confusing. So I very much yeah. like the style of everything, but the inconsistency is just a little odd. Kind of uh, along the lines of what I said before, in service of introducing these characters to people who might not know them at all or not be super familiar with them, and then also establishing them as a team, I didn't feel super connected to any one of them. This is a, an introductory book. So a lot of stuff that I, that I do think pays off later is just the groundwork in this book. So as a thing on its own, it's not super strong to me. Yeah, there's a lot of shit going on and a lot of characters. Yeah, and, and then combining that with the fact that, as I said, I don't really like the colony or Jacob Kane as villains. All that together just kind of... The, the meat of the story doesn't interest me all that much. It's executed well, but like I just I'm not I don't care that much. Yeah. At this point in the story, I do like where it goes, but as this thing on its own doesn't do a whole lot for me. You could either introduce all these different elements and characters that people may really be into just because they love them, or you run the risk of diluting it and make it a little nonsensical because you can't actually take the time to, to go very deep with any of it. Yeah, I mean, this is kind yeah. of tricky because I almost suggested that we did, like, the first two or the first three or something, but that's just so much homework to do, you know? Yeah, I think it's okay to look at it as... Because this is a story on its own. This is a standalone story with a beginning yeah. and an end. Yeah. It's one that I feel like continues to get better, though. This is the same... I know this is the book that got more critical acclaim than Tom King's Batman. Yeah. I like this more, but the first arc of Tom King's Batman, I didn't like and didn't pull me in, but the same thing with that. As I got more into his storyline, I ended up really, really liking it. Mm. But just the introductory chunk, was, I didn't like it. was not that interesting to me. Yeah, sometimes that happens. I mean, I mentioned that before in, like, Earth One. I think, you know, it was like, oh, you're changing a lot of shit here. I don't know what I think about. And then... As you get deeper and deeper, you're like, oh, this is fucking pretty smart, you know? Um, yeah. I sound like a moron. You did fucking pretty smart, right? <laughs> I'm smart. I like this. This is good. One other con, just I don't like they not only wanted to create their own danger room. Yeah. <laughs> but the way they created it was out of Clayface, plugging Clayface, excess Clayface into a computer. It's just, hey, I don't like that. Hey, it's, 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 it's better than using clay face to mind control everyone with mad hatter's brain backpack i like that more oh i like that a lot more yeah. i'd rather have a clay face cocktail <laughs> see i i'd rather the the clay face transforming into shit they can fight than uh clay face merging with some other character to control your brain i would believe this more if they just did it like the danger room and it was just some kind of holographic photons or something like that as far-fetched as that is this is a universe with aliens and kryptonite in multiple dimensions. I would believe that more than Clayface computer. I, I do love when they're going through his utility belt and one of them is the chunk of kryptonite and they're like, is this? I think so. I think that's yeah. funny. Do you know how much that would go for? <laughs> but, oh my God. I agree. I think that room would be better served if it was just some super technology. You know, a robot, like robot dummies that they had to fight or something physical. <laughs> I do love that that gave the artist a reason to draw just a swarm of jokers, uh, which looked super cool and didn't have any of her 
place in the story. We just got to see his version of him. Yeah. yeah. Ratings, what do we think? A three. For me, it's a three. I agree with that. Word. I guess I overestimated this a little bit because I would give it a four or a four and a half just because I liked the story so much. Really, the only thing that kept me from thinking like this is perfect storytelling is the very end with the still being alive thing. But um, uh, I think I would have rated it higher if we did this right after I read it the first time. Yeah. But on a reread and a little closer look, it just didn't hold up as well. And after having read all the stuff that comes after it also. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I do think that my favorite one I've read so far, I, I have four of these. And my favorite one so far is the League of Assassins one. Yeah, that's good. I don't know. I had written down four and a half and talking out more, I think, just with some of the weird formatting and inconsistency. I'd probably, I'd probably give it a four. I've already read it three times, so I like it a lot. Yeah, only gets better after this. Yeah, it's a good introduction to a very good series. Cool. Because, again, I like all these characters, so it's nice to, to see them getting more uh, focus. Yeah. Yeah, and other, other than Tim Drake and the Colony and Jacob King. <laughs> other than all the main characters who get the most screen yeah. time. <laughs> well, especially considering that, too, because when we talk about Curse 1, it was awesome, and turns out that it's just so good that even the first one is also freaking awesome, because otherwise, yeah. some stories will just be like, well, we'll get you on the second book, you know? The first one, you just got to give us a little leeway, but the second one's really going to get you. But first one is kind of unrealistic in that way because it was dope right off the bat. You can't, like, expect that standard all the time, so I think that I would still rate this one in the same way, but I'm not at all turned off towards reading any of the other stuff, especially if it has your guys' endorsement. Just not everything is going to be that rad, like, right off the bat. Yeah, and this is something... This is a, a creative work made by extremely skilled people. It's very good, but I mean, just for the sake of just giving an honest impression, that's what I think of it. And even the stuff with Tim Drake, I don't like him, but later on in this series, I do really like him, and I like what they do with his character and his relationship to Batman. I got four of these fucking books he hasn't come back yet, so <laughs> I don't even know uh, what yeah, they do with him later. You got DC Universe, right? DC Universe, available online and on your phone and on... TV, I just subscription prices. I, I just <laughs> shut the fuck up. Shut up. Yeah, I just got it the other day, and I saw that this whole series is on there. So I need to figure out what issue uh, number four ends on, so I can pick it up because I think they're all singles on there. I think they'll tell you what the arc is, and like the little synopsis. You can see like a finale of this arc or whatever. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I want to check out more for sure because. Uh, the ending of this one was such a gut punch to me that I instantly bought the next two. And then the fucking spoiler shit, or sorry, the orphan shit in the League of Assassins was just mind-blowing. And yeah. so I bought the fourth one. I didn't love it as much. So I was kind of like, I don't know. But now that I have these things I can just read on my phone, then I think I'll give it a shot. Now that you can consume the creative work in, in mere moments, the like yeah. year's worth of output. Well, yeah, for me, it would be like um, I'll watch the music video before I buy the album, you know. Uh, but then I'll buy the album if it's good. Well, I also think it's like binging a TV show. That's something that took a lot of time and a lot of work, and you can sink it all in a day. Yeah. Okay, guess that's it. 
Oh, oh, I like that the Batmobile had a face. <laughs> I can always appreciate Bat vehicles with faces on them. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> One thing I liked about uh, the clever techie stuff was Tim's rail design and the way that they rode around it. Because you're like, how the fuck would they construct such a thing? And he's like, oh, I have bots doing it. It's very Tony Starkish. I like it. I thought that stuff was cool, actually, because it kind of ties in with the stuff in Earth One, where they're just talking about the weird history of the city and the time frame in which it was built, or in mm, the overconstruction. Yeah, the White Knight talks about these hidden tunnels and stuff, and I I thought that that was cool. That while pretty pretty out there to think that these robots are doing all this work while no one else is. <laughs> I like that not all of them are human and they don't have the benefit of supersonic flight or anything. And so they need to figure out how to be as efficient as possible. And, and oh, cool, well, let's just use this transportation system that's harshly been in place for 200 years or something and then just improve upon it. Word. I also really love, last thing, very end that whoever the Raphael Albuquerque person oh, is. Oh, yeah, his, his variants. That stuff is awesome. I love that there's only one variant cover artist for the whole thing, apparently, and I really like his style. Yeah, he does great stuff. Covers, I, I actually like more than the regular ones. I, I like that I, style I, more. Me too. I could read a book of that stuff. It's almost like that artist that you shared with us recently, Sam, who did those, kind of the like the variation on movie posters a couple of them struck me like that yeah had this very like brushed out ink style that was super cool to me well i don't remember what you're talking about i spend a lot of time yeah. on instagram so well I'll, I'll share it back with you so you know <laughs> what i'm talking about <laughs> if, if that Raphael albuquerque guy does comics then i'm gonna look him up because i would look at more of his stuff oh yeah he's he's great all right, well, this has been Rebirth Earth One. <laughs> the callback that won't die. I hope that this stuff gets done soon because I don't want to do any more of this telephone crap. Yeah, we'll all be gone soon. We got. <laughs> yeah, I either hope that it passes soon or we pass it. <laughs> wow. Thanks. Thanks for your vote of confidence there. All right, that is our show. And I will tell you, I did use the app and catch up on a bunch more issues after this. And fuck, does it get good when uh, Tim comes back. It's pretty awesome, man. I, I'm up through uh, issue 981, which I think is the conclusion of book seven. But I highly recommend the series if you guys want to check it out. As always, you can support the show just by subscribing, giving us a five-star rating, or sharing a screenshot on your social media. Help spread the word. You can tag us at BatFanAddict. We will see you next time with the much-derided, possibly worst movie of all time, Joel Schumacher's Batman and Robin. <laughs>